Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our study in the book of Philippians. And in fact, we're coming to a close in the book of, not the book of Philippians, excuse me, but chapter one of Philippians. And we're specifically going to be looking at verses 27 through 30, 27 through 30 today. Uh, But let's jump right in here by reading Philippians chapter one. And it says this in Philippians chapter one, starting in verse one, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all of the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing that he has begun a good work and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right of me to think of you all, this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of my gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in the knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things which are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of Jesus Christ, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. What Yet what I shall choose I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you." And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. And now the text that we're going to be focusing in on here this morning, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which to them is proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God, for to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me." Now, this is an incredible passage of Scripture. First of all, we see the incredible challenge in verse 27, where it says, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. 
Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Isn't that a convicting, convicting thing to read? You know, in the King James, it says, only let your conversation be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And that's convicting enough because you, you stop and you think about what are all the things that you talk about throughout a day? What are the different things that you might go and, and and just shoot the breeze about? You know, I'm somebody who really likes small talk. I know there are a lot of people who they despise small talk, but I really, really, really enjoy small talk. I, I like to go into to 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 meet people. Uh, you, you know, maybe for the first time, or maybe I'm not even really meeting them. Maybe I'm just coming across their path in the grocery store or something like that. One of my favorite things to do when I would go get groceries, and this, of course, was uh, before we had kids. Uh, well, actually, it might have been after we had kids, but it was before we took the kids grocery shopping. And that's why I was getting sent out to go and to do it, is that I would go. And I would see a, a little old lady who's going through uh, and she's trying to pick out the right shredded cheese or, or you know, a block of cheese or something like that. And I'd go up to her, you know, just a random lady, a, a old lady, and j- just go up to her and say, say, oh, be careful, be careful. And she'd kind of look at you, what? And I'd say, oh, there's sharp cheddar in there. You don't want to get yourself cut. You, you know, and, and then you kind of have just a, a funny conversation about the weather or something like that. I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm the only one who does things like that. But but I enjoy those kinds of conversations, whether it's, you know, talking about the weather, whether it's, uh, you, you know, going up and saying something funny to somebody in the grocery store. I've, I, I've seen people, you know, looking for stuff in the grocery store. And I say, hey, what are you looking for? Can I help you? And pretty soon they ask you, hey, do you do you work here? And you're like, no, I'm just out grocery shopping. Like, yeah, but but do you work here? You know, is this where you work or did you used to work here? Like, no, I'm just helping somebody out. You, you know, something like that. I, I enjoy small talk, talking about things that that, that you're just in passing uh, kind of a thing. But 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 I am also often convicted by is are, are those conversations glorifying to God? Sometimes they are. I don't know about pointing out to an old lady, you, you know, hey, you got to be careful. There's sharp cheddar in there. You might get yourself cut when she's looking for the cheese. If that's a conversation that glorifies God or not, but it's convicting here because this is what it says. Only let your conduct, or like I said in the King James, only let your conversation be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And what it comes down to is, does your life does the testimony of your life support the gospel or not? Now, there are a lot of things that we might do in our life, that we might say in our life, that, that, that frankly isn't negative towards the gospel, but it also might not be positive towards the gospel. And this isn't saying don't let your life be a hindrance to the gospel. It's saying only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. There's a positive standard that the Apostle Paul is going and saying. He is laying forth the standard saying, look, you need to have Philippians 1.21, just as you, you heard me just say it, for to me to live Christ, but to die gain, you need to live in that way that you have a lifestyle Christ a lifestyle of Christ, that that when you're going to the grocery store, it's really a mission strip. When you're going to work, it's really a mission strip. You must be about your father's business. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Be a good ambassador for Jesus Christ. Be going and representing, not the brand, but Jesus Christ. Be representing his 
kingdom. Don't be building your own kingdom. Don't be building a competing kingdom. Don't be tearing down his kingdom. Be building his kingdom. That is what the Apostle Paul is getting at when he's saying in, in verse 27, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. But then he says this, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs. He's saying, look, I want your testimony, whether I'm, I'm there or whether I'm absent, whether I'm somewhere else, I want to hear that your testimony is good. That's what I want to hear, says the Apostle Paul. And I mean, that is an incredible thing to, to think about and to, to, to hear, because ultimately what the Apostle Paul is going and saying is that your testimony shouldn't just be that you, you are a, a Christian and you go and you might tell somebody when you meet them or something like that that you're a Christian, but that other people should be talking about that they're a Christian, that they're sharing the gospel, that they are an example for others to follow. And that's how you should be living your Christian life. People should look at you and say, wow, they're following Christ. You should follow Christ like they're following Christ, and I'm going to follow Christ like they're following Christ. But then we also get—remember, I mentioned this, I believe it was in the first day, that a lot of the book of Philippians has to do with your relationship with others, within the church specifically. And it says this here, that you stand fast in one spirit— with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. See, the reality of it is, is that the church that you go to, there should be, there are people from all different walks of life. I, I understand that. You know, you might have a plumber, you might have an electrician, you, you might have uh, have a lawyer, you might have a doctor, you might have a, a teacher, you might have a janitor, you might have all these things from all these different uh, walks of life that, 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 that go together, that, that don't go together, that the only thing that, that they would go and really come together for is because they believe in Jesus. I understand that. But when you go to a church, you should be going and really having a very, very, very similar message. You should be thinking about things. Yes, God maybe has given you a little bit of a different perspective. Uh, he maybe has, has given you a different way to think about things. Your mind might work different than somebody else's mind. I understand that. But you should be thinking about things in the same way. You should have the same mind about it. You should have the same spirit about it. There should be true unity within the church in the church that you go to. You should be on the same page. And it's because that should have, the church should have a priority in your life. And if everybody has that, where, where there's a priority in everybody's life, then they're going to be listening to the one voice that's going and giving instruction, and they're going to be in agreement on those things with instruction, and they're going to be going and saying the same things. They're going to be coming to the same conclusions uh, about things. And of course, then their spirit, their attitude, and how they're going to go and do stuff is going to be the same spirit. That's how you should be working together, and it should be for the same goal. And the goal is for the faith of the gospel, that you're spreading the word of God, that you are sharing the gospel, that you're advancing the kingdom of God, that you're going and you are truly being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. But how does all this happen? 
Well, the Apostle Paul gives us a couple of quick instructions here that we're going to go over. The first one here is found in verse 28, the first part of verse 28, that you're not terrified in any way by your adversaries. See, the reality of it is, is that if you want your conduct to be worthy of the gospel of Christ, not only do you need to have unity, which means you need to have a priority on the church, but then you also need to have courage. See, there are so many times when cowardice is ultimately the virtue. It's really an anti-virtue. It's, it's really a vice. But, but it's ultimately the thing that, that people really go and they hold on to. It's really the one unifying thing that American Christians have generally is cowardice. Uh, that that's that everybody's cowards together and they, they they never go and they stand up they never go and they confront evil they never go and, and they proclaim God's word in, in high places or anything like that or, or the places that of of influence that God gives you and, and so the reality of it is is that people back down away from it because my goodness what if I lose my job my goodness what what if I uh, go in and get made fun of what if I go and get thrown in outside of the social circle what what happens um, you know if I get banned from Facebook what happens uh, if this happens or that happens and so uh, I'm just going to to silently love people and win them to Jesus but but that's not what we should be having. That's that's really being afraid of your adversary. See, the reality of it is, is that many times we forget that there are that there is an adversary. And the adversary, of course, is the devil, but then the devil has children, and until somebody has been rescued by the blood of Jesus Christ, they are children of the devil. That's the reality of it. And so we are we're out on a rescue mission, right? Rescue the perishing, care for the dying, uh, you know, snatch them in pity from sin and the in the grave. I understand this. Weep over the erring one, lift up the fallen. I get it. We, we you know, I've sang that hymn a million times. I, I get it, but you need to understand something that until they're rescued, they are the adversary. They are the children of the adversary. And so we're trying to win them over, but we can't be afraid of them. And so, therefore, we have to proclaim the Word of God. Now, when we do this, it says, which to them is proof of perdition. When the true adversaries come up, those who are enemies of the cross, who refuse to be rescued, that when they realize that you're not afraid of them, it's proof to them of, of their destruction. But then it goes and it says, but to you, it's proof of salvation. It's an assurance in your life that you are saved when you're going and you're taking the word of God to the enemy of Christ. Isn't that incredible? But then it says something that's interesting. Because it's not just that we need unity. It's not just that we need courage in order to make sure that our conduct is worthy of the gospel of Christ. But then in verse 29, it says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here that is in me. See, the Apostle Paul says, look, don't think that you're going to be going and walking a different path as a Christian. I mean, sure, all of our paths are a little bit different, but, but you're going to have the same conflict here, maybe to a varying degree, but it's going to be the same conflict. The same conflict that you will have as a Christian is the same conflict 
conflict that the Apostle Paul had, that the Apostle Peter had, that Polycarp had, that the Apostle John had, that, that, that Barnabas had, that Silas had, that Apollos had. All of those conflicts that they had is the same conflict you're going to have. It might be to a lesser degree, might be to a greater degree in some instances. I doubt that you're going to be, you, you know, boiled alive like the Apostle John, but maybe you will be. I don't know. But look, we need to understand that, that in order to have truly our conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, it's not that we need the suffering, but it's that we need the mindset that the suffering is worth it. That's what we need as Christians. That's the conflict. The conflict isn't that, that somebody does something to you. That's not what we strive for. There are some people who go and they get a martyr complex and, and they want to go out there and they, they, they think that the best way to advance the gospel is for people to come in and to rape their daughters and to behead their sons and to go and, and to die for the sake of the gospel. That's, that's not the best way to spread the gospel. Best way to spread the gospel is through winning culture to Christ. I mean, that America proved that. Okay? Look, you go over to the to, to the Middle East where, where where there's the greatest persecution of Christians, and yes, there, there is some spread of Christianity. I understand that. But unless there's a supernatural revival that breaks out, we have to obviously look at the fact that in 1776, up until probably about 1920s or so, that there was an incredible push of incredible Christianity in the United States with nearly zero persecution. There was some persecution, but not much. Why? Because a Christian culture produces more Christians, just like a Christian home produces more Christians than a non-Christian home. Duh, right? It's an obvious thing. So what do we need? What is it talking about, this conflict? The conflict is, is that when you are going and confronting an enemy of Christ with the Word of God— there's obviously a conflict because there is a price to be paid. This person is going to react or potentially react negatively to you. There's a conflict on the inside that's happening. And you have to go and say, it's worth suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. That's the conflict that was in the Apostle Paul. It's not the results because there are plenty of people that accepted Christ when the Apostle Paul preached. Not every one of them threw stones at him. But the conflict was, are they going to throw stones at me? The conflict you should have there is the same one. It's that concept of, is it worth telling them about Jesus? And let me answer that for you. Yes, it is. So only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ today. Have unity. Have courage. And have conflict. But overcome that conflict with the right answer that Christ is worth suffering for. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise. There's nothing we can't overcome. So that war you've been fighting will end in God's timing. Sing like the battle's been won.
you're trusting in faith even now